Hey, everybody out in Zoom land, I guess that uh, we're here and it says something here and I don't want to press leave meeting because that would be bad. We may have a guest appearing, but she's lost in the ether right now. <laughs> We've had issues before with our hard drive and everything else. So it's interesting. But to keep you entertained, we have our Zoomy Pat. Hello. And we have, of course, our old reliable Chaz. Hello. Hello, people. Well, we were talking a little about waking dreams and stuff and going on. You said you had like a terrifying experience with it. It ain't no fun. Well, what happened with me is I'm taking a little cat nap on a sofa or something. And uh, it's happened when I was um, tired out, you know, uh, not getting enough sleep. And you're like, okay, it's time to wake up and go eat dinner. And uh, it's like, nope. You were you're staying where you're you're staying put, and it's like you don't have control over your uh, your body. Your your REM engine is still uh, saying, "Say stay asleep, dude." It's a weird state to be in. That's my experience. Don't like. It. I've had a couple of those. Like that's what I think a lot of people like with UFO abductions and stuff like that. I think they're waking dreams in a lot of ways because you can't tell the difference between reality and the dream in that state. Yeah, it's it's the most uh, common explanation for uh, ghost sightings and people seeing things when they're, you know, should be asleep. Now, there's so one makes, theory, I know, Chaz, you've, you've talked about this. We've talked about this years ago, but there was this one theory in a book that the Greeks really saw gods because they couldn't differentiate between dreams and reality but we're saying and i don't know the science behind it like in terms of evolution in our brains it's probably not true yeah there's a theory theory about um the bicameral brain where uh the ancient brain was not um separated out uh delineated in the same way ours is i don't know any more than that but is it is a theory in evolutionary psychology I just don't know enough about it because it's like how like you think about like all like different races and people who've never met, but they have like sort of the mythologies basically the same, just with different names. Yeah, I mean, um, and there's a lot of people that want to get in touch, you know, like remember that movie Altered States? They want to get in touch with the oh. primal. Oh, so these drug drug abusers that take like ayahuasca. Um, uh, my stand on that is, I guess on your podcast, we're not supposed to take strong stands on. You can take a stand on anything. We don't. My <laughs> stand on that is thumbs down. You're you're playing you're playing with fire, folks. Uh, I I'm sure have go, dude. You're just a sheep. It's cool. So, um, but you you know what I'm talking about? Ayahuasca or DMT? Yeah. Oh yeah. I like the fashion drugs to. Um, get into the other the other dimensions i'm chicken so (laughs) i i've always i've never been um i've never had any desire to do that kind of stuff just because the the whole idea like the whole idea of having real hallucinations and maybe seeing things that aren't there just has always frightened me um as it should i've ever had hallucinations (laughs) they were real Yeah, somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I just would not want to. I don't know. I just have enough problems with reality as it is. I don't need to be 
seeing all this weird stuff. And I had these guys in high school who were like tripping acid already. And like during chemistry class, they're seeing flowers come at them and the flowers are cutting them and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, this is this be fun. Yes, yeah, what I want to do. And then you think, yeah, like, you know, some... I, yeah. I just thought of a metaphor that applies to me. And, and this is why I don't like um, to get into um, hallucinogens or stuff like that. It's like, we only we're only processing so much of the reality that's out there that's probably a fact so there's a overload of it and we're just filtering out what we're capable of um processing at any given time in order to keep our sanity and it's like a mixing board with different tracks different you know um a mixing board different um channels you know tracks and you only want to listen to two or three tracks at a time and if you're like turning up 10 of them at once um it, it can be overwhelming to, to some of us like me so uh i'm pretty happy with the way my mixing board's programmed uh normally without adding a lot of different tracks that's my metaphor anyway yeah i mean and so, there's a lot of people have have like have different theories on like on, on aspect you know certain ugh, i can't talk it's been a long day uh about how how certain um sorry about that how certain substances uh can react with your mind in a clinical setting um but you know i've i've i don't know you know i i think it's when you when it comes to the brain there's so much that we don't really know and i you know i think i i i i i, I like to believe that there are some smart people who, who figured out how to do this and there are people who have had success with this, but I just think, you know, there's no one, there's no one cure-all or, you know, one method that works with everyone. No. Did we lose, did we lose you, Charles? Are you still there, Ch Chess? Sorry, I think it says Charles. I never call him Charles. Call him whatever Chess. Charles doesn't matter. It's because I'm just looking at his name now. Yeah, Did we I lose you, Chess? I think we lost Chess. Well, this has become an interesting one. All right. Well, so that's, yeah, bro, he's still he's still out there. I just think he might have gone under. He is driving currently. I, I'm I'm fairly certain. I think he's home today because he was he, talking no, he's about in his car. You can see. I mean, you could when he was on. Chaz, are you there? Oh, this is true. Connect. Hold on a second. Okay. Okay. This cool. Is turned into one of those good ad lib episodes. <laughs> Hold on, guys. Well, well, how's the weather today? Oh yeah, let's. Yeah, you can just go ahead and skip this episode if you want. No, well, we can see how it goes. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's fine. Well, but I'm gonna ask him about... where he was because it looks like he is on the road. Yeah, last chance, how it was and where he is and everything else. And... Yeah, I was gonna say like <laughs> driving and podcasting. I don't know. And who knows, like, again, I know my friends had problems with their computer, and she said that she got a different one and that it should work, so. Has she gotten back to you at all since? Uh, not yet, I just okay. said everything else, but it's like, you know how it goes on this show. Yeah, this is so called people a mixed is, bag episode. Yeah, it's like the old man live, all we need is like, uh, we need Greg somewhere out in the ether. <laughs> well, we, uh. Wherever Greg is, uh, we we wish him well because he's going through stuff. Yes, very much so. It's he's going through some serious stuff, and we love him. We want him back. 
uh, as soon as yep, and there's always a spot and everything, and I've told yep. him that he cannot you know, be replaced. No, I mean there are drummers, but he's our drummer. <laughs> it's not like yeah. a story about there are I many drummers. Quote, this one is ours. There's a quote from John Lennon. I guess he was asked one time about Ringo Starr. He's asked, oh, "Is Ringo the best drummer in rock?" And John said, "Ringo's not even the best drummer in the Beatles." <laughs> That could drill humor. Good old John, though. I guess, like, yeah. Well, John, John, John was um, notoriously not the nicest guy. No, not at all. And I guess too of what I've heard, just from some people who actually met him, it depended when you encountered him too, because he was a man of many moods. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's you know, and that's the thing. That's the thing. It's it's unfair to judge people we don't know based on you know. based on interactions that you hear about like you always hear that so oh so and so's a jerk because i met him one time five minutes of his life i think we talked about this before and like yeah, and he did. was mean to me i'm like that might have been you but i mean with john lennon i think i think it's safe to say at this point that there was a lot of evidence oh yeah uh but and there he is what happened to you no i mean i am in my car i'm on a, using a personal hotspot which um it got cold. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. So, are so you are you on the road right now? No, but I have to be stationed here. It's a long story in my uh, in my car. Uh, I'm on a break from work, but um, I'm actually <laughs> stationed away say, from home on a work break. So say no more. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. funny. But one thing we were talking about reality and a question I'll put out there is how do you think social media has affected all these concepts of reality and everything? You know, um, it's um, made things really crappy, but, you know, to take the other slant, I think for some people, surprisingly to hear this from me, I think when you it's taught some people critical th- thinking skills like you know when you're in high, junior high and you have debate club and you have a mm-hmm. uh, reasoning and red herrings and uh, what aboutism and stuff for the people that never got to do that never got formally trained i think that they can benefit from that um with the you know the, po- the political discourse and, and this and that but largely, the other side of the coin is it, it makes tri- it causes tribalism and people to become uh, assholes and, and lose friends and all the other stuff we well, know about, right? I, yeah. I, I don't I don't think it's necessary I don't think it's necessarily fair to say it causes. I think it's just another avenue for human nature to make itself apparent and and you know you know it, it, in, it in and of itself is a technology, therefore it has no, you know, it, it's it's you know it's like it's like any other any other thing humans have made. It's just how we use it, and I think that you know, and I and I agree that I agree that that there's been a lot of issues with social media, and I think that um, as I you know I truly feel that as this uh, as we move forward as a society and more people are born in a world with social media that you know we're we're take we're still kind of in the baby steps of this big thing and you know it comes to a point where uh i, I think people by and large will wind up beginning be, it, it becomes easier to see what's real what isn't on there um yeah I like the same thing with like spam uh... emails you know it's just like you know 
20, you know, to, like 20 years ago, you know, somebody who would have maybe react to a, a random email they got from someone now is just like, well, this is just garbage. It's, it's out, you know, I, 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 I like to, I hope that that's what happens. I agree with you. And I think it is in baby uh, territory uh, evolutionary wise. And I think norms are still being established, uh, norms of behavior. Uh, yeah. I think there's a case of what I'll call unreality that where people like you see all these things I don't really get jealous anymore I'm too old I don't really care but it's almost like people just put up the best things and people look at it in like these standards are just nothing they can live up to because everybody just puts the best things or exaggerates you like influencer culture like the whole I have seen, I, that word gets to me because I don't even pay attention to that it's it's a big thing, but I, I think that's another thing that is that is somewhat in its infancy is, in, you know, over the years, this new brand of celebrity has been has been created that that, you know, is is it's as artificial as anything else, you know, really. Um, and it, no, and, I agree with you. Yeah. I'm pretty much Facebook, you know, I'm not going to do TikTok too old. I'm not going to get into my... Um overalls and, and tap dance without my pants on on tiktok because i don't think people want to see it so. <laughs> tiktok is it tiktok yeah tiktok in and of itself is i i've i don't even i it's not my it's not my thing either and i think that you know there's i i don't know enough about what's really going on in the background of that you hear a lot of things um but even if 10 of the things of the background of that platform are true i i don't really see a need um to get into it but that's how about uh how about periscope anybody do that Not is that still a thing <laughs> <laughs> i don't even i, I remember so. i remember hearing about periscope back in the days when i was still listening to stern because all of his whack packers were getting on periscope which was uh feel like just a way for them to ask for money from people um I, I, I think, I think like in a okay. way like Twitch has kind of become the new Periscope because, you know, Twitch yep. started as, as a way just to stream video game and it still largely is, but there's so many other people that just have Twitch talk shows and game shows and, and stuff, you know, so who knows? I don't know, but. No, you're right. Twitch, Twitch is huge. And I think, um. I think Facebook is kind of like Boomerland, but uh, oh no, yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the perception, and I, yeah, and that's the one I'm I'm largely on, uh, just because I've I've been on it for so long, and you know, I, and you know, yeah, it's it, once again a, a thing in and of itself is not evil. It's who's behind it and who's using it, and I I, I would I would probably argue that the people in charge or the person in charge. Uh, is you know dubious but he's also you know it's also it is dubious as any other major corporation in my opinion so I actually made the i was actually saying i was like on a, like a mini rant about that later where i was talking about boycotting things and i said that okay for most corporations they're all to some bigger or lesser degree of evil so just take your pick yeah i, I mean boycotts i i boycotts on on certain levels can be helpful but the way you know we the way we get information now 
when you boycott something and the boycott becomes known and widely publicized everywhere, it winds up usually having the opposite effect because you get all the people who disagree with the reason you're boycotting and more and more of them, you know, it's just like, I feel like it, it it's a thing that it's, it's, you know, bad press is still press. You know, I, I, yeah, it's I, like I the old like joke, we should, orga- people... we should organize a boycott against our shows and other things because they'd be more popular. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like when Dogma came out and Kevin Smith was standing out in front of the theater uh, with the people who were protesting his, his movie and was really excited about it because, of course, everybody's talking about my movie. You know. Well, actually, exactly. I, I finally, I'm always late in the game, but I finally got around to watching Good Omens. I really liked it. Well, and it's more Terry Pratchett. Apparently, so. Well, it must be new. <laughs> but. Terry Pratchett, I think even Neil said he wrote most of it, but I guess yeah. Neil will yeah. sign the book Burn This because he was hoping it would start a book burning campaign because of yeah. the Antichrist yeah. and everything. Have you seen that, Chaz? No, it sounds cool. I got to, I'll have to check that out. Basically, um, in a nutshell, it's about the book of Revelations and the Antichrist is coming to destroy the world, but an angel and a demon who've been around since the dawn of time. And remember, the earth is only 6,000 years old. <laughs> Uh, well, in, in the story, isn't it? I think, I, I think so. I don't I, yeah. I, you know. There's that's one of those things. The book and even the show, so many, uh, so many references and jokes and 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 bits of lore are flung around that it is impossible to remember them without reading it a bunch of times or watching it a million times. Well, one of the problems is that, too, is in the book, whenever the Antichrist is a baby, they introduce him every time with, what is it, like the Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> Lord of the Fly, blah, 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 yeah. So it goes like that. It's almost like the Iliad. But what happens is the angel and the demon, they've been around like 6,000 years. They decide they really like Earth, and they don't want it to end. So they try to stop the, uh, you the know, the, the end of yeah. times. And I said it was really, and I haven't read, yeah, and they try to like, you know, I won't spoil it, but they try to like bring up, but they, well, it gets all confusing. Yeah, like the Antichrist is raised, you know, the Antichrist is supposed to be in one family and then they'd swapped with somebody else. And that's the, right the very beginning of the book, at least. Um, uh, Hey, is this, is this like English or American? Oh, very English. (laughs) How, 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 how did I, how did I guess? I just guessed it. (laughs) It's uh yeah it's uh, Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman um and it was like a long time ago they wrote it though because yeah was, like, like it was like mid to late eighties um, yeah and like I, I said I guess Neil even said it was mostly Terry's book yeah yeah and and I I re- I was surprised to hear that they were going to do a second season not 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 shocked because it was very successful and I'm sure they waved a lot of money in Neil Gaiman's face. Uh, to do it or be involved or whoever. I mean, I guess technically, I don't know how much of that, you know, they would need to have him involved in, but I'm sure he's a smart enough guy. He's been around long enough to probably. So uh, what, uh, what, what platform is this on? What, it's on uh, the, the show that they made. It's a miniseries is on Amazon prime. Okay. And it was it's starring like good omens. Even yeah, I it's think called I good omens. It. it was starring uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen. <laughs> Um, who are just perfect and original? You know, uh, you might not know this, Rob, but originally when the show was pitched, their roles were switched. Sheen was supposed to play the demon, 
and Tenet was supposed to play the angel, but um, I, I don't know whose decision Emily was, but somebody was like, try it the other way. And it, and it, I, I feel like they're both so great that they could, they, they could both play those roles. And they, they and I like really even like, of course, ways. Neil being Neil, there had to be like some references to Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah. one of the rumors too, you know, there's tons and I know they just said they just started even like doing auditions, but Mike, wasn't Michael Sheen one of the rumors for the next Doctor too? Michael Sheen's been thrown around a lot, but I don't know if... I... The, you, the, the problem is the rumors you hear are not based on any kind of... No, fact. they're not. Russell Davies said they're just starting auditions, actually. So it's yeah. all just, you know, wishful thinking. I don't uh, know, but the, yeah. have you... There's one rumor that has been thrown out, which is... At this point with Doctor Who, anything is possible. I, I feel like it's gone, it's, gone, it's, it's gone so far for good or bad, um, which, you know, people will argue about, and that's fine. Because at the end of the day, it's art and it's to be interpreted. But um, the rumor was that David Tennant was going to be the next Doctor. And then it was going to be like, literally like it was going to be the 10th Doctor again for some reason. Because uh, ratings are flagging. And, uh, you know, and then and then they hand it up to somebody else. But it just like that. that I. I I can't um, I can't imagine anyone signing off on such desperate a play. I think before I, I would say if it's if the if the ratings were that bad uh, that they're considering bringing someone else back who played the doctor before, I would just cancel it. <laughs> just like because it's just you know take another break for another twenty years. Well, have you seen the ads? I've seen the one ad with like it's like Return the Conquering Hero with Russell Davies. The one promo I saw. No, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Li- I didn't like pretty much anything he wrote. I credit him for bringing the show back, but I did not. I did not care for him all around. I mean, I don't know. It, it, I'm I'm an old fan, so. So, so what uh, I know about Doctor Who, but I'm not part of the the, the cult, so I just know yeah. memories of watching it on uh, on PBS and, uh, and Hobo with a scarf lives in a magic dumpster. Yeah, so. yeah, pretty much. Uh, and the magic dumpster is gargantuan. So what's 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 classic Doctor Who like 1978? Or well, I mean, the, the original the original run of the series was from 60, 1963 to like 1988, I think. Okay, and then they brought it back in 89. and they brought it back in two thousand five. With the only thing between there being one uh, American produced TV movie that is considered canon for whatever that means, um, only because it was the it was a good it was a good doctor. Everything else about that show was was that movie was i i remember watching it in around 80 maybe 80 or something i don't know was when you're talking about and uh they switched in the uh, another uh lady actress and uh i quite enjoyed it because in some scenes they'd put her in like a loincloth oh Oh, that was yeah that was leela she was mostly in uh yeah yeah that was you know it was a great care i mean you know, granted, yes. You know, it was it was pretty easy. To, it was pretty easy to see what what the impetus behind that was. But in in her defense, she was a well written character and well performed. And the idea of having the idea of pairing up 
a, a basically a, a, a brain on two feet, you know, who, who knows he was, you know, incredibly brilliant uh, person from, a, 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 you know, stupendous, you know, stupendously advanced civilization with a primitive person who's basically like, you know, just a little few steps up from a caveman. It's a kind of cool idea because her perspective on things was really interesting. You know, she she acted on instinct and she was right more often than the doctor would give her credit for. Um, and she would do literal stuff too, like always Louise Jameson said she'd do the dog in the headlights look a lot of times. Yeah, like the, yeah. But then like you would say something and she would take it literally. Yeah, and she was, you know, she was she was very attractive, but she was also really good. Like they didn't just, you know, they weren't, you know, and that that's and that wasn't the first time they've had, you know, they've they've throughout the series they've had, you know, female companions that they that they dress in, you know, whatever British version of, of uh. No, it was still you know, uh, it was still legit. It was uh PG thirteen, but it was still oh, yeah. like you guys. Uh, but there was, you know, uh, the, the infamous uh, introduction right. of Perry, <laughs> you know, in the bikini. And, and it just like, right. come on, guys. Oh, I know. But this is how the difference is. And I knew the doctor. And I think Paul McGann, if he had been like, if you watch Night of the Doctor, six yeah. minutes, he could have been one of the best doctors ever. I, you know, I Paul really, McGann. I, yeah, that, I, I, that made that up. I, I loved seeing it. But I was just like, why couldn't this just be an episode? Why couldn't this just be a special episode? Why couldn't he have gotten even like a four-inch, like a mini-series I would have taken? I thought he was just so good. Well, and also, you know, like, Paul McGann, as I said, from Withnell and I, obviously. Yeah. He, uh, he, his whole, his whole, in the TV movie, like, he, he wears somebody's Halloween costume <laughs> is his outfit. There was somebody who was dressing as Wild Bill Hickok for Halloween because it was Halloween when he regenerates in this hospital in San Francisco and he grabs this costume and it, you know, winds up being this perfect doctor outfit. And I was looking at, you know, Paul McGann during the time war, his doctor during the time war is, you know, his hair is short. Um, and, but I looked at his outfit. It's the same outfit. It's just all beat to shit. Like I looked at, I looked at the cravat, the shirt, the, even the bits of the jacket. And it's like, he's still wearing that same outfit, but it just was wrecked. So like, Despite the fact that he cut his hair because uh, Paul McGann famously uh, was a, wore a wig, or either either had long hair or wore a wig, and did not like having long hair, uh, so you know when they brought him back for that short, you were just like, and it's like when they started doing audio stories with his doctor, he was like, okay, you can you know you can photograph me as a doctor but i'm not wearing long i'm that just i'm gonna have whatever length of hair i have is the, what the doctor looks like and they were like that's fine <laughs> and the thing they did too that's why they had all what they do with the doctors too is like he was in a lot of audio stories so like when he's regenerating in that episode to become the war doctor he's he's mentioning these companions we've never heard of because oh, yeah because the yeah, they were the ones from the uh from the audio dramas which are but what got me is like how America, this is a thing I think America just can't do some things right in the Doctor Who movie. I was turned off because what do they do at the beginning? Sylvester McCoy sitting there in the TARDIS reading the time machine. I, I was I was happy enough that they that they were acknowledging the that. You know, they weren't just step because I didn't even know it's, you know, the days before it was 96 it was days before the Internet when the show. I had no idea what to expect. And I was preparing myself for this is an Americanized version of Doctor Who. It's going to have no connection to the original series. and They're just going to make stuff up. And 
even though a lot of stuff had changed, the fact that it was still Sylvester McCoy and they did have him go, you know, uh, uh, have to uh, reincarnate into a, into a different actor during their show, even though it was even though it was the dumbest thing, he, he steps out of the TARDIS and gets gunned down. It was just like then did they shock him or something? Did they goof it up? Yeah, well, they 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 he he is technically still alive, but the surgeon doesn't know she's working on an alien. You know, so he dies, essentially, and then the regeneration process starts. Now, the story I've heard from, and this, because I think, was an interview with him, is where he silly. said, actually, that he could have continued the role, but he figured it was like almost like Timothy Dalton with Bond, where it's like, look, too much time's passed. So I don't know if that's true or not. I, I, I don't think it was his decision. <laughs> I don't think it was McCoy's decision. I think that... There's, you guys are uh, you guys are uh, over my head because I, I know we 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 should we should shift the uh, the conversation to something. No, uh, Paul McCartney's going on tour. Well, how do you feel about some of these musicians going on tour, Chaz, that are like in their eighties no, and stuff? Can they I still want, bring it? I still want to make a comment about because it's English and the one you were talking about before that. Was oh, English, Good Omens. But uh, yeah. So, but English sci-fi heroes are more like scholars and gentlemen than american think like buck rogers or uh william shatner they're they're, those guys are like at least canadian they're not not well america yeah okay well it's connected it's connected you know it's close (laughs) american science fiction is basically like a western they're basically westerns in 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 space yeah and and that's still a thing that continues but you know that was that was how that was how Gene Roddenberry sold Star Trek. As he said, it's wagon train in space. He had to basically boil it yeah. down to that and be like, "Look, it's wagon train in space. That's what the show is." So they would they would sign on. Um, but English English sci fi are not westerns. They're they're different. I don't know. Oh, I yeah. couldn't categorize them. But the, the protagonists are more more scholarly. They're more like like uh, researchers or something like that. If yeah, you get my and, drift. and they're not just speculators you know and and throughout the years that's 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 kind of changed a little bit and gone back and forth but because we everybody borrows from everybody else but yeah i think that um yeah primarily and you know the british if uh kind of invented science fiction if you really think about it if uh if is dematerialized i think we lost Chaz again i don't know we lost a video but well actually what happened i guess is I, I guess H.G. Wells with uh, War of the Worlds was the first time Martians or like people from things from space were depicted as very alien. You knew they were alien before it was always like basically some depiction of people. I think Voltaire yeah. wrote a story about an alien from Jupiter somewhere where the guy was like 125 feet tall and he came to Earth. But they all looked like us. Well, and on that whole thing with H.G. Wells and Jules Verne, those guys, uh, I was reading an article uh, recently, which which I I thought had a lot of, it was a blurb, really, I think more than an article, but I was talking about how um, Mary Shelley uh, with Frankenstein is is considered by many to be the first science fiction story. And it was written, you know, so, you know, and Frankenstein was written by a 19 year old, you know, English woman. You know, and and the and the and to give the credit to the creation of science fiction to all male authors is unfair. And I said, oh, that's kind of an interesting. I I I you know I definitely 
see that point of view. And I do consider that a science fiction story. Too. No, it's absolutely science fiction because it 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 it's literally uh, it's science is a big part of it. It's you know man's. Uh, and I guess I like I like reading like origins of things, and there's a really good book about Frankenstein, and that was an era where it was like a fad trying to bring people back from the dead. And it was oh, yeah. usually electric, oh, yeah. like electric shock. And they never say in the book, if you read the book, Victor refuses to say what the uh, source of creating life is because obviously she didn't know. We didn't know. It's the best yeah, way to go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's well, all, the, all, the, all the electrodes and everything else. That's all from the movie. Yeah. Are you there, Chaz, or is it just yeah, gone? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Um, yeah. What in your turn? Are you are you a fan of science fiction at all? Because we're out of your swamp here for what we talk about. No, I mean uh, not like not like as deep in as you guys, but yeah, like Frankenstein is like the template for the modern horror genre. It really is. Yeah, the, the shit is great. And uh, but like um, another, you know, there's so many vari- variations of of that, and you know, zombie movies and stuff. There's one I want to see that sounds kind of sick in a cool way. You ever heard of Reanimator? I guess it's uh. I know it. I've seen it. Yeah, it's it is sounds uh, wild. Yeah, uh, it's it's based on a Lovecraft story. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know much about Lovecraft, but uh, yeah, all that stuff. I mean, uh, he's not a very like, good guy, but he's inspired <laughs> a lot. Not very, lot, not very controversial. <laughs> But really, you take any horror, like take Stephen King, the big name there, so many other people, it's Lovecraft. And he's a really sort of a controversial guy. He never was really, yeah, that's saying the least, I'm being sort of generous there. I mean, yeah, he he was, he was, he was. Uh, incre- incredibly racist um, was really the, no, the big thing. Uh, even, even, even uh, when comparing him to contemporaries. And at the heart of a lot of his stories was was the fear of the other, um, but he tapped into this, you know, this this cosmic horror uh, genre, which he did not in necessi- he did not invent. You know, he just kind of he uh, he create he created or added to a certain kind of mythos that you know, or myth uh, mythos was the term that was created for that, but like of uh you know these uh cosmic entities these uncaring cosmic beings who are who we can barely who we not comprehend uh with human thought that uh that you know we are helpless against you know as the nightmares uh from from beyond well listen you're not you're not going to get me sticking up for a racist but you, if you oh, know no. me i i step, separate the art from the uh separate the art from the artists so uh, yeah and and there and the, and a lot of you know a lot of us a lot of us yeah. do there there are people who can there are people who can i don't fault anybody for how they you know how they view things but yeah yeah i mean his listen, contributions I'm, were, I'm, were huge which is yeah. why we still talk about him and refer to these things as lovecraftian um but like you know right ambrose beers wrote this uh, you know uh, I, I, all kinds of people really contributed to this to the genre and basically specific... yeah but basically the gist of it too is we're meaningless and the universe doesn't care in fact the universe is hostile there's like yeah. this big organism azathoth that basically is dreaming us in the center of the universe he's got little pipers keeping him to sleep all he has to do to wake is wake up and bang we're in the void <laughs> yeah it's it's hey you want to hear something crazy yeah 
I thought of a science fiction uh, script just myself driving around in my car today. So I'm driving it. You guys would think I'm crazy, but you already know I'm crazy. So I'm <laughs> picking a little uh, eye bugger out of the corner of my eye. You know, a little piece of crusty from, you know, you yeah. know those things, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I go, I'm, I'm going to just flick it out the window. And then I thought, well, what if a billion years ago, the aliens here were here and the earth was barren and there was no life. And one of the aliens flicked an eye booger out onto the ground and the other <laughs> alien said, dude don't do that you're gonna contaminate the this planet you're gonna something's gonna happen we told you to keep things uh sterile and uh, the little eye booger like it gets hit by lightning and it splits with some nitrogen and it's the beginning <laughs> of life on it yeah we get can we get dell really quick <laughs> dell if you're listening uh let's not poke for you. Well, you know let's you know the idea Del. you know you know the idea, though, like about the whole Ray Bradbury thing, the sound of thunder, where they're going back in time. They yeah. shoot, like they go look, and what happens is the guy steps on a butterfly, and when they get back, time's completely changed. Yeah, it just it's the, the butterfly effect. I mean, it's uh, a lot of that stuff I think is fascinating, too, because obviously, like, however the universe started, whatever else. Boy, how the heck are we ever going to know? Richard Dawkins said it the one time, well, we don't know how it got here. It had to get here somehow. Yeah. You know, maybe it was it wasn't in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it was a mistake. <laughs> How did the first single celled organism uh that could reproduce get formed on this damn planet? That's that's the question for biology. Do have any like would anybody have any mushrooms before we continue? It might help if we <laughs> some to continue this part of the discussion. Uh, now now we've looped back to drugs again. No, but I'm fascinated by that because obviously I think like a lot of things in our lifetime, maybe before, you know, millennia, how are we ever going to know how this thing started? And most people we don't know. care. No, there, nobody really cares about it. Nobody really thinks about this stuff. They're, we're all I fine care. with it. I care. I know. No, there's no major schools of thought that have anything. We all just, all as humanity accept the fact that we're just here and who cares? Yeah, it's like I, I was That's asking, how it is, right? Yeah. I mean, I was asked many times about the afterlife last year, and I'm like, nothing to report. <laughs> nothing to report. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. So what we're, about we're certainly not going to... Uh, huh? Is there a scientist out there that's going like, uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to take a little nitrogen in a Petri dish, and I'm going to take a little, uh, what else, like a protein, uh, whatever protein's made out of, some lipids or something like that. I'm going to zap it with a certain frequency of a green laser, and I'm going to replicate the formation of the first uh, life form on, uh, on Earth. You think there's somebody out there trying to uh, do well, that? Maybe. I mean, they've been trying to. They've been trying to understand the Big Bang for a while with the the whole um, yeah the whole uh, big um, collider thingy that. I don't understand. Well, I mean, we can, you can just drive yourself nuts with this stuff. That's why, because you're never going to know. It's fun to speculate everything else, but nobody's going to have the answers, obviously. You know, unless they somehow really develop real time travel or something, something like that. I I think time travel, uh, as as much as I've, I've loved time travel stories, I think time travel is the worst idea that, like, it's the worst possible thing that could happen. Uh, I think because it is so regardless of, of how it works, it is ultimately exploitable and 
you know, and, and the ways it can be, you know, even, even if you believe in like multiverse theory, how many branch realities do we really need to create? <laughs> you know, I agree with what, you. what comes I, back? Can it come back? Can you go forward, backward, back, you know, just like, yeah, it's a mess. Oh, I'm dead. Did you see Paul McCartney's touring again? No. Oh uh, man, he's yeah, actually playing uh, Syracuse and some other. Actually, we're gonna have a double Beetle Bill around here because Ringo Starr is playing C Mac. Actually, Andy's going to that because Leon Russell's in his band. But uh, Paul McCartney's playing in Syracuse and he's going on tour this summer. Well, well, good for Paul. You know what? I'm you know what? I'm gonna go see. I'm gonna go see uh, Todd Rundgren and uh, Denny Lane do a, a tribute to Rubber Soul and Revolver in a, a oh, little cool. uh, oh, where are they playing? Down in Annapolis, I'm going to bring my friend who's a uh, uh, Todd Rundgren uh, freak. So um, for their birthday, wow, yeah. those guys are no joke. Those Todd Rundgren fans are serious. <laughs> uh, I remember going into Aaron's yeah, yeah. Alley, going into Aaron's Alley to get tickets. He was playing at the German House. This was actually 2008, and I was talking to the the person they're selling me the tickets. He's like, "Oh, these Todd has air, yeah, out of this yeah. world." They're like, why is he playing yeah, such a small like, house? <laughs> it was jammed though, too. I was like against yeah, the it's wall. A, it's, it yeah, it's a, it's a decent sized room for, you know. So I saw Delbert McClinton there with my dad. That was a fun night. Yeah, you know, Todd, um, and this cuts my friend too, feels the same way. It, you know, I look at him and I see like a big, kind of awkward, like gangly guy. Uh, oh, yeah. Kind of like a nerdy guy. The chicks, the chicks dig Todd. They, oh yeah, oh yeah. He he, you know, I mean, his his catalogs of just the songs people would know are so varied. Like, you know, he he he's, and I I think the only reason they really like because when uh, one of the Cars reunions that was happening, uh, he. Todd Rundgren replaced Rick Ocasek and I was just like, I think it's just because they looked kind of alike. Yeah, see, there you go. They're both kind of like they have that too, and I guess the way they they call themselves themselves the new cars. I have the album and what it is, they just played the hits on the live, but then they did some new ones. Yeah, whatever. Okay, this Benor was dead and Rick Ocasek wasn't in the band. It's not the cars. This might be uh, like blasphemy a little bit, Chaz, but I would almost put Todd Rundgren is almost a nerdy Nick Lowe because it's I almost the that. same thing yeah. where he's got yeah. like, you know, yeah. hello, it's me, the other hits and everything. I saw well, the light, you know, like I Nick's agree. got like the pop, uh, but then he's got the alternative. I agree with you, but I, I try to tell my friend and, and she doesn't like it, but uh, those Todd hits are basically, uh, and he's not stealing, but they sound a lot like Carol King. I mean, uh, that stuff from Tapestry and stuff, that piano and the same um, sort of tonality and stuff. It sounds a lot like Carol. Because I've been obsessed since Valentine's Day and actually over like the holidays and having some of my romantic stuff, which is me, you know. Uh, I had actually, I got obsessed with, plus Katie Maury's been playing that like at her shows a lot, playing like a lot of like instrumental from Tapestry. So I was listening to the album a lot. I have to really go back and listen to some of his stuff and see what I think about that. It's a good analogy, though. No, and I'm not the first person to do it. The people were doing it. Critics were doing it to him when he was um, hitting big in 72. I don't... 
I don't think he liked it, but he'll he'll admit it too. So yeah. what we all he's take from everybody sense. else. That's exactly. the thing. But the thing was too, he's also like he's like some inventor. I think he lives in Hawaii. I guess he invents all kinds of stuff too. Yeah, I think he was getting he was one of the early guys in the MIDI and um electronic a lot of electronic studio trickery around you know around the eighties and stuff. Yeah, but, but I, like the, more, I like the classic stuff the, from 72, 73. Yeah, I've got all that stuff too. I actually I think his uh cover of Why My Guitar Gently Weeps is really good. He like really he really wails on the guitar in that one. But not as much as Prince. That's the that's the um oh, yeah. the jaw dropper. Prince doing while my guitar gently weeps. If you ever want to see a good Prince video, go look that yeah. one up on YouTube. I guess what Prince did, I was I went to the Trelf actually. I went to go see the old 97s at the Trelf. And we were talking to the door guy, and the door guy was saying like some stories about the place. And you've been to the Trelf in Buffalo, haven't you? Uh once, just once. I said, but so he said, I guess Prince played at the the odd. I still call it the odd, whatever it is now. And I guess what he did was he came in after he was done, just got up on stage and he played for four hours. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine that though? You're out there and all of a sudden, wait a second, that guy looks like Prince. It <laughs> is Prince. Wow, that's a really good imitator. But not really. Uh. That guy had a lot of energy. Where was he getting it from? Getting it from something. And he, talented guy. He, yeah, he was one of the most thoroughly talented musicians that's ever lived. He was uh, odd duck for sure, um, but you know, he, he was really he was good at what he did, and his his you know his instincts uh, were were usually pretty good. Um, you know, uh, the whole. Um, you know uh, the whole change of his name thing uh, was an incredibly uh, calculated. Yeah, uh, which is actually middle finger up exactly to, the, right. to the record company, um, and you know it was just like everyone's like, "What a he's crazy! He's doing this!" Like, no, no, he's not. He's he's negotiating in the in the in the most in the strangest way possible. But you know, it's like. There was, there, there was calculated one of, in a very... One of the albums of his I really like is, I like his album Madhouse, which was all jazz. And there's another one around the world in the day where he went all psychedelic. Yeah. And imagine, you could play, I think he could play every instrument. Pretty much. Yeah, I think a, a lot of... Yeah, a lot I, of think he, uh, yeah. I think there's two ingredients. I've heard this. I didn't, this isn't from me, but from different sources. Uh, two, two factors that make somebody into a master or a genius. And... Uh, one of them's from uh, the guy who wrote Blink. Who's that guy, that author? It's the 10,000 hour rule. So yeah. if you want to be a master of something, you put in like 10,000 hours and you're, you're probably good. But who has that Who has that obsession but just the people that are completely passionate? And then mm -hmm. the other one is energy. You got to have uh, that energy. Um, and then if you got that, you're, you're probably good. But not a lot of people have either of those. So... Yeah, and you have to be unliked too, because that's something I've read in some. No, I've done. The way I'm saying this, a lot of musicians' books, bios I've read, they said the thing they had in common was they weren't popular in high school or anything. Because they had to think about it, if you had a social life, you wouldn't have time to do this. I I think there's, yeah, I mean, I think there's something to it, but but 
I, you know, I, I, it's like the whole thing about like, uh, artists have to be suffering and, and it's just like, that is nonsense. Well, I mean, <laughs> we do this I for mean, the show has, here. Have a lot of artists suffered, but a lot of people suffer, you know, They're just like, I think that, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't believe, I don't think you have to suffer for anything, uh, to be better. Um, no, otherwise it's like I know it's like the thing. Why can't it just be fun? Like I've been actually reading. I told MJ this if she has time to ever read. I'm reading Brian Cox's autobiography. Just the stories about the theater are great. Yeah, and I didn't realize like Nicole Williamson was this eccentric. They looked at him as like another Brando, but he would just go up, and if he just thought he wasn't doing well that night, he just go, "I don't have it tonight." He walk off stage. <laughs> And I guess what he would do is like if somebody was talking in the audience, he'd go to the front of the stage, go, I'll I'll get back to it when you're finished. And I didn't know a lot about him, and I didn't realize I actually heard a lot because of him in there. Uh Brian Cox was friends with Nigel Terry from Excalibur. Oh, and yeah. I guess he yeah, he had like reading about him, I didn't realize like he was in Troy, he was in a lot of stuff. But I just never saw him again. I thought so. I probably seen him a thousand, you know, a hundred times and not even known. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, yeah, he was a, yeah. It was, that movie, it's a, it's a, it's a real strange movie, uh, Excalibur. Uh, I, I, it's, I, 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 you know, it's. I love it, but it is very. It's, 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 it's a weird movie. You got to take, uh, actually, the reason I actually understood is I took an Arthurian legend class and the teacher extrapolated on it. So actually by then, but like when I was a kid watching it, it's like, what is going on? So they're like, didn't you go see uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey when you were a kid, Chaz? Um, yeah, and by the way, I'm back. My ISP is shaky today, so I... I um, well, we're almost winding down somehow yeah, when we have to get live an hour like out of our rears. <laughs> so, uh, Space Odyssey came out in 69 and I was about five, six years old. I don't know. Yeah. And so my mom, my poor naive mom, uh, uh, God bless her. Uh, she um, impulsive, great mom, but she didn't read the fine print and she thought it was a science fiction movie uh like nonfiction, like there's the state of astronomy right not a, not a drama right and so she takes me and um I, the movie opens and there are these monkeys throwing bones in the air and i'm crying i'm terror i'm sobbing with terror I, i'm like what what the hell is my mom making me watch and it was a bizarre, it was bizarre, but you know, it's a masterpiece. I remember uh, sitting through it and seeing all the state of the art Kubrick stuff. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he used that. One of the things he put on there was when he faked the moon landing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I think he used that. a lot of the sets. He used a lot <laughs> of the sets from there that. because it's all right. the space sets. He, he did like, he did what, what nobody has done since as far as like, you look you, you when you look you watch that movie and you look at the makeup effects uh in the early man section and the you know effects the the the, the spaceship and stuff effects and realize it's 1968 when they made that movie yeah what? yeah yeah 1968 it was when it, yeah it was when it was released so it was probably made in 1967 so we're mid 60s you know, mid to late 60s and he he destroyed all that stuff 
Like, he did not... He didn't want any of his secrets of how this stuff was made to get out. You know? <laughs> he, he... You know, he, and credit, credit to him, too, because a lot of, like, millennials and the younger generation uh, movies that, you, you know, were big in the 60s, 70s, they don't have a clue. But also, The Shining... To the extent that that's become part of popular memeing and culture, and, oh yeah, uh, uh, it just is, is a testament to what a a great movie that was. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, uh, the amount of of weird conspiracy still like oh, theory that comes out. I know I like 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 conspiracy theory, but like you know, like. Uh, things that people thought that he did deliberately or put into the movie for weird reasons. There's a whole uh, documentary on it. I think it's called Room 248, I think. Room but even like the more harmless, unlunatic ones, like the idea that Jack's just imagining it. No, but that, it's beyond that. Real. It's just like, there's a thing. You like, if you look in this one scene, you see this thing off in the background. That means this. It's like the most... The carpet, the minutia, the minutia of, of everything you see and hear, like their significance in everything, you know, on some level, somebody's picked every bit of that apart. Clothes people are wearing things in the background, things, you know, Hansel and uh, Gretel, even the inconsistencies, inconsistencies uh, uh, in the film, which happen in virtually every movie. You know, and they think like Cooper couldn't make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah, plus he, yeah, did, he did so many shots usually too. Stuff, but it doesn't mean you can't make. You mistakes. know, uh, um, Stephen King. Stephen King did not like the fact. Really, I this well, is no, true. yeah, he it's, no, he didn't. We know that. I think he threw. I think Cooper threw him off the set even. Well, so, but my theory is Stephen King does not like to be upstaged because they both have huge egos. They're both geniuses, but. He's yeah. being upstaged by Kubrick. So people give Kubrick the credit for The Shining. When you say The Shining, they go, oh, Kubrick. And Stephen King, what am I, chopped liver? So he makes it, does a, a really bad remake for TV. I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think it was that bad. It was all right. I mean, the thing I'll give right. it to it is it played, it was closer to the book. A lot closer yeah. to the book. And then Doctor Sleep, I didn't actually, okay, the movie was okay. I thought like one of the characters was really cool. But the movie was... I mean, they changed the ending and stuff, but it's a movie. They well, do that. They they did it. They did it. Uh, Doctor Sleep was the movie. Doctor Sleep was a kind of concession because they couldn't not they couldn't not evoke the movie The Shining. So they they did a like Mike and Mike Flanagan directed, who's one of the best directors in horror genre now. Um, uh, and and. And Stephen King signed off on it too, um, and and even dur during the press for that movie, he basically kind kind he didn't really walk back things he said about the movie, but he 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 finally acknowledged yes, it is a really good movie. It's yeah. not my story, and I've I've had to take years to to you know to settle myself with it, but it is an excellent movie. It's just like I'm not going to deny it's a good movie, but it's just not my story. But and, one of uh, the things I, I have to say, though, about going back to 2001, my dad with dementia watching it had the best comment ever at the end with the star child. He's ended up watching the movie. He's just going, what in the heck went on in this movie? 
And the funny part about it, too, is the only reason that movie got made was Kubrick wanted to do a sci-fi movie. He didn't know the genre. One of his friends liked R.C. Clark stuff and recommended The Monolith. That's it. Yeah. Hey, the monolith, remember, uh, and the monolith was a very simple story. It's actually basically people go to the moon and there's a monolith there, and they yeah. realize the civilization somebody visited the moon. That's it. Remember uh, about a, two years ago, there was a monolith out in the Midwest in a canyon somewhere. Oh, yeah. Or... Yeah, and then and then they started up, you know, popping up everywhere. Uh, yeah. They just weird outsider art installations. Um, that that now that because when they found the one that they found then everybody then everybody started getting on board and then they were finding them everywhere to a point where <laughs> they were more and more fake the more they found them. it was just like it's it's yeah well i'm not saying it's aliens but i'm not saying it's aliens but <laughs> but it's probably aliens probably aliens sure why not lump of metal that somebody put out there but uh, once again, I think we could do this with a broom if we have to. And I think we had technical difficulties with my yeah. friend. Yeah. We pulled out another one. So what if what if next time I tried phoning in? Does that work in Zoom or uh, I phone I just... it in every time the way I do these uh, shows? I just hope the guests are good. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I'll I don't. Do it this... I don't think it works any other way. <laughs> But we'll, we'll, I'm actually we'll doing some out. tech work on this this week because I want to see if I can do it on my phone next time. All right. So. Well, thanks, guys. See if this has got enough cool content. That's oh, I, 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 oh, it does. We're always interesting. Come on. We're us after all. We didn't even mention Amia Clark, but we did. <laughs> and as you know, my friend did yeah, the alternative did. cover. But did you know my friend for a comic book, she did an alternative cover for issue number three. It's like the best comic in the world. And on that note, good night, everyone. Yeah, good night. See you, Chaz. Night, guys. Thank you. Put it up. Put this up. It's we are the Architects of Entropy, a collaborative world-building tabletop role-playing actual play podcast. In other words, my friends and I create exciting, weird worlds, and then we play in them. Join us for our introductory story as we play Dungeons & Dragons in a homebrew high fantasy world populated with dwarves, elves, fairies, and anthropomorphic weasels. What's going to happen next? Uh, we have no idea. Join us and find out. Architects of Entropy, a podcast.